This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com. of January here, we've been talking about what I consider to be maybe the most important question that you can ask in your life uh, and your daily life and how you approach your daily decisions, not just the big issues, but even the smaller ones. And um, we've defined the question or we've given you the question as simply this, what is the wisest thing to do? What is the wisest thing to do? And, and just by way of, uh, of refreshing your memory, over the last couple of weeks, I've said this does not necessarily apply to uh, what is legal versus illegal because there's a lot of legal things that you can do that are not wise things to do. They're legal, but they're destructive to you, and you need to understand there's a, there's a wisdom involved in, in, in uh, approaching life successfully. And it's not necessarily a matter of what's right or wrong, or, or, or is it, it's not necessarily a matter of what I like versus what I don't like in life, because again, there are a lot of things that you may like that can be very destructive in your life, very hurtful to you and the blessings of God in your life. So it's not just a matter of those things, it's a matter of understanding the need for wisdom in your life. And that's what we're really focusing on. What is the wisest thing to do? It's not just a matter of how much do I know, but how much wisdom do I have to go with my knowledge? Uh, in fact, uh, through the years, I've had a lot of people who have asked me from time to time, Pastor, what's the difference between wisdom and knowledge? Are they the same thing? And no, they are not the same thing. This is my simple definition of wisdom. Wisdom is the proper application of knowledge. If you don't apply knowledge well with wisdom, you will not succeed in life. So wisdom is learning to apply knowledge rightly. So what that means is basically this. You can know a lot of things about a lot of things. And yet it will do you no good whatsoever if you don't know how to apply what you know. What you know. If you can't apply your knowledge, the knowledge will do you very little good personally. Let me give you an example of this. When I was a kid in, in grade school, and probably when you were a kid in grade school, you learned a powerful mathematical formula. It's a truth that has revolutionized modern culture around the world. In fact, it has even changed the outcome of wars. What is this simple truth or what is this mathematical formula? Simply this. 
What is it? E equals, I almost forgot it. E equals mc squared. You've heard that in your life. E equals mc squared. Albert Einstein was the first human to, to discover this truth, and it's, it's a mathematical formula that states the amount of energy an object has is in direct result to the mass of the object multiplied by the speed of light squared. Got it? Yeah. <laughs> amount of mass an object has is, is directly related to the, uh, uh, to the uh, mass of the object multiplied by the speed of light squared. So everybody has that figured all out in their, in their minds. So I know that that formula works. I know that that formula is true. I have seen the results of that for formula. So have you. These big mushroom clouds that come up into the heavens when they explode an atomic bomb, which is the result of E equals MC squared. And in some cities, not so much here in Utah, but in some areas of America, there are uh, cities that, are, that they receive their electricity solely because of that mathematical formula, because the atom is used to, to provide electricity for the community. But here's what I, I want you to, to understand. Even though I know that E equals MC squared is true, and I want you to know that I believe it with all, the, all of my heart, I know that it works, I still have absolutely no idea how it works. I know that it does work, but it makes no sense to me at all. I believe it, I trust it, I see the results of it, but unless someone else applies that truth for my good, it does me absolutely no good at all. It could be like it didn't even exist if somebody else wasn't out there using it to generate energy that then blessed my life. So I need somebody else to, I don't have the wisdom to apply the knowledge that I have. So what I'm saying is that it takes more than knowing truth to succeed in life. Knowledge is the first step of success, but knowledge requires using your knowledge properly, or I should say success requires using your knowledge properly. And that's what wisdom really is. That's why the Bible encourages us to get so much wisdom, not just to know things, but to know how to use what you know. Another way of saying it is that wisdom is knowledge in action. Wisdom is, is knowledge in motion. Wisdom is knowledge working. And when, when not your knowledge goes to work, that's when it becomes a powerful explosion force within your life. But if, if you don't have the wisdom to use it properly, your knowledge can actually end up making you a fool, doing foolish things. So you have to act wisely on what you know. Now, if, if you're like I am, I read the one-year Bible. Some of you do it on a, on a tablet or on your phone. So I, I like to read books, so I have the book actually itself. Uh, this is the way I prefer to do it. Uh, some of you are reading the one-year Bible plan you don't even know because you, you read 
what we give you here at church. We give you a reading plan every month. We tell you this is, you know, the, the reading plan for the month, and that is simply following the one-year Bible reading plan. So many of you are reading the one-year Bible plan, and if you are doing that, you are beginning over again in the book of Proverbs, because it always takes us to the book of Proverbs at the beginning. And what's impressive to me about the beginning of the book of Proverbs is how it over and over and over and over again talks to us about getting wisdom and about how important is wisdom is. So let me share just a few verses from chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. And here, just to set the stage for, for this particular scripture, King Solomon, who wrote these words, is urging his own sons to go after. And, and actually, he's, he's encouraging all the young men, because he calls them young men. He's not just talking about his sons, but all of the young men of Israel, to go after wisdom. And because the anointing of the Spirit was upon these words, and God put them in his word, he is also speaking to you and me here in 2017 about urging us to go after wisdom in our lives. And this is what he says, verses 1 and 2. Young men, listen to me as you would to your father. Listen and grow wise, for I speak the truth. Don't turn away, for I too was once a son. In other words, I was young, tenderly loved by my mother as an only child and the companion of my of my father, and here he's talking about his literal mother Bathsheba and his father who was King David, king of Israel. And he said, David told me never to forget his words. And he said, if you follow them, you will have a long and a happy life. Now here's the word that he gave, that David gave to Solomon. Learn to be wise and develop good ju judgment and common sense. I cannot overemphasize this point. Cling to wisdom, she will protect you, love her, she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. I underline it to bring the emphasis there. This is important, folks. And with your wisdom, develop common sense and good judgment. For if you exalt wisdom, she will exalt you. Hold fast to her, and she will lead you to great honor. She will place a beautiful crown upon your head. Now, if I were to uh, give a Reader's Digest version of that, those nine verses of Scripture, and so if I was to just drop them down into just a couple of words, this is what I think that Solomon is basically saying uh, to all of us here in 2017. He's saying, stop it and start it. Stop it and start it. In other words, there's some things that wisdom is telling you to stop doing. I don't like anybody telling me, okay, well then don't listen, but then don't complain when you're not lifted up in honor. All right? There's some things to stop, and there's some things that you've got to start doing in your life. So to that end, to bring a little emphasis to our, our service here in the, uh, this morning, I want to share with you uh, a a skit done by comedian Bob Newhart. Some of you will know who he is. Now, this skit has nothing to do with anything spiritual. It's just really funny. But it, it also bears the point of what I'm trying to share with you this morning. So we're going to watch this for a couple of minutes. Uh, Dr. Switzer? Uh, yes, C come in. I'm just, just washing my hands. Uh, I'm Catherine Bigman. Janet Carlisle referred me. Oh, yes. Uh being buried alive in a box. Yes, yes, that's me. 
Should I lay down? Oh no, no, no. We don't. We don't do that anymore. Just, just have a seat. And uh, let, let me uh, tell you a, a bit about our, our billing. I, um, I charge five dollars for the for the first five minutes, and and then absolutely nothing after that. How, how, how does that sound? <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I can I can almost guarantee you that that our session won't last the full, uh, the full five minutes. Now, um, <laughs> we don't do any insurance billing, so you would either have to pay in, in cash or by check. <clears throat> wow, okay. And, uh, and I, I don't make change. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and go. <clears throat> go. Well, tell what? me. Tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No. No, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes. Yes, that's it. All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most we find most people can uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. Here, here they are. Stop it! <laughs> I'm sorry. Stop it! Stop it? Yes. S T O P. New word. IT. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So, I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you, 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 you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that... Sounds, sounds frightening. <laughs> it is. Then stop it! I, I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since no, childhood. No, no, no. No, we, 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 we don't go there. Just, just stop. <laughs> so I should just stop being afraid of being buried alive in a box. You got it. Good go. Well, it's only been... It's only been three minutes, so that will be um, uh, three dollars. I only have a five, so. Well, I, I don't, I don't make change. <laughs> then I, I guess I'll take the full five minutes. Fine. All right. Well, what other uh, problems would you, would you like to address? <clears throat> Whew, uh, I'm bulimic. I stick my fingers down my throat. Stop it! <laughs> Not of some kind. Don't, don't do that. But I'm, I'm compelled to. My mom used to call me no, fatty. No, no, no. No, we, we don't go there. But I've been having this dream. No, we don't go there either. 
But my horoscope did say... We definitely don't go there. Just, <laughs> just stop it. What, what, what else? Well, I have self-destructive relationships with men. Stop it! <laughs> you you want to be with a man, don't you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, yes. Well, then stop it. <laughs> don't be such a big baby. I wash my hands a lot. That's all right. It is? I, I wash my hands all the time. There's a lot of germs out there. Uh -huh. Yeah, don't, don't, uh, don't worry about that one. I'm afraid to drive. Well, stop it! <laughs> how, how are you going to get around? Get in the car and drive, you, you kook! Stop it! You stop it! You stop it! What's, what's the problem, Catherine? I don't like this. I don't like this therapy at all. You're just telling me to stop it. And, and, you, and you, don't, you don't like that? No, I don't. So you think we're, we're moving too fast, is that it? Yes. Yes, I do. All right, then let me, uh, let me uh, give you ten words that I, I think will uh, clear everything up for you. Uh, you want to you get a pad and a pencil for this one? All right. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. All right, here are the ten words. Stop it or I'll bury you alive in a box! Now, I have to tell you, that is my method of counseling. So if any of you want to come and see me, that's it right there, basically, in a nutshell, what you'll get from me. Not really, not really, but probably, for, in some cases, that's, that's good advice. Um, I think what we are understanding, though, is that uh, most of us need to stop doing some things that are hurting us. And, and those things need to be changed in our lives, and as simple as that, we just need to stop it. Now, when it comes to New Year's goals, most everybody thinks probably primarily about one thing, and that one thing would be our physical condition, right? Um, how we're doing physically in, in, in our lives and so forth. And when it comes to physical condition, especially at the new, new year, what is the number one thing that we all want to achieve during this new year? We think about it's what? Losing weight, yeah, weight loss, losing weight. And, and, and I think probably most of us know that if we lost even just a few pounds, we would probably improve our health, our overall health, quite, uh, quite dramatically. But our series today is not talking about, wisdom, uh, talking about knowledge, that what we know, it's talking about how to apply our knowledge. In other words, it's talking about wisdom. So maybe you know that losing weight Will, will help you and, and, and will help improve your, not only your physical health, but your mental health as well. But what you have to, we have to ask ourselves is, do you have the wisdom to use the knowledge that you have to achieve the goal that you know is out there in front of you? Because the truth is, we only have one body here on this earth, and our usefulness to God, which is our primary concern as Christians, is either enhanced or it's, or it's diminished by our, our physical condition and our physical fitness. So with this main question that we've been talking about this month, with that in mind, what is the wisest thing to do? Applying that to our bodies, what is the, the wisest thing to do when it comes 
to your physical and emotional well-being, your physical and emotional health. What, what actions do you need to take? And that's something that you'll have to answer individually because I'm not going to answer that for you. But you're going to have to decide in your own spirit, in your own heart, what is wisdom telling you? And I want to share just a few thoughts with you about uh, what's the wisest thing to do? So just some foundational stuff for you to think about with regards to your body and your mind. The first thing I would say would be this. Your body is important because it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. As a believer, God lives inside of you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if you've been going to church here at much any length of time at all, you've heard me say it over and over again. I say this, I quote this verse all the time. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? Do, uh, you do not belong to yourself. Now, this, this verse is telling us at least three things. Number one, it, we don't need temples today. Man-made temples are useless today because the, the purpose of the temple in the Old Testament or the tabernacle which precede the temple was that the presence of God literally resided inside what a room called the Holy of Holies or the Most Holy Place. Uh, and, and he was in there and he was separated by this giant curtain which kept him separated from the people because he was holy and they were not. And if his holiness came out among the people, he would just kill all the people because they were not holy and they could not become holy. Even by, by the, the shedding of blood of innocent animals on an altar, they could be forgiven that way, but they could not be made holy that way. They still were sinners. And so God had to keep his presence separated. But when Jesus came, we sang about it this morning, when he came and he died on the cross and he rose from the grave, you know what happened? He became Emmanuel, God with us. Now he's not, he doesn't live... Uh, in, in the church building, he lives inside of us as his people. So we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, which means we don't need man-made temples anymore. All right, the second thing that I pick up from that is, is that our bodies are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. We already talked about that. But what I really want to focus on is the word body. Because Paul doesn't say that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It almost kind of surprises me that he doesn't. And he doesn't say your heart is the temple of the Holy Spirit. What he says is your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. As long as you are on earth, your body is, uh, is, is the residence of the working of God in the world. He uses you to touch the world, okay? So that means you need to treat your body like you would a temple or a place of honor. Your body is an honored thing. The third truth I see coming out of this is that you belong to God. I think it's important for us to emphasize we are not our own. We have been bought and paid for by the blood of Christ. And so Paul says it straight out at the end of the verse, you do not belong to yourself. So that means that you and I have an obligation as believers to treat our bodies in a way that acknowledges and pleases the owner. That does not mean we worship our bodies. It means we treat our bodies with honor in order to worship him with everything that is, with all of our strength and with all of our mind. So um, 
I was talking with Sid here last week, and, and I don't know, somehow we got on the subject, and he was just sharing with me that he basically eats one large meal a day, and then a couple of smaller meals uh, the rest of the day, and he says, I, I exercise when I get around to it, which doesn't sound too regular to me, but... Uh, <laughs> I mean, when I get around to it is like never, you know, so, but I don't know, maybe you get around to it quite frequently, and, and with that method of one large meal a day and two smaller meals and exercising whenever he gets around to it, he is the slim, trim, fit man that he is today that you see sitting over here. So I was thinking about that. I exercise five days a week, and yet I gain weight if I even look at a donut. It's not fair. And I'm ticked off at God about it. And I'm going to tell him one of these days. Well, maybe I won't. <laughs> maybe I'll just keep that to myself. No, I'm not really ticked off at God. That's just life. That's the difference in age and what age does to this thing called metabolism. Your old mo does not get does not get uh, faster as you get older. It gets slower as you get older. And so suddenly what you were able to do when you were 18 or 25, now when you're 45 or 50, you can't do that anymore and get away with it. So what's the wisest thing, given this is true, what's the wisest thing for me to do with my physical health? Well, the truth is I can't be like Sid anymore. And I can't be like Pastor John anymore, or Dustin, or Pastor Marco, or certainly like Pastor Eric. He, he's like in his 20s, you know. So I, I for sure can't be like any of these guys anymore. At my age, wisdom tells me that I need to make different choices if I want to stay healthy. And you know, it's the same for you. The wisest thing for you to do in terms of your physical health is determined a lot by a lot of different factors, and, and one of those certainly would be your age and, and also uh, your physical condition currently and what things are going on in your body. So there's a lot of factors, but this is one thing I know. The wisest thing to do will probably never be the easiest thing to do. The wisest thing to do will never be the easiest. The easiest thing to do will usually almost always be to go in a direction that is counter to wisdom. And that's why I like what, what, what one of the ladies said in the small group that Carrie and I attend, one of the life groups that we uh, attend on a regular basis, and, and she just said here recently, in fact, I think it was last Sunday, that when she sat down and assessed her physical condition and where she was at at that particular point in her life, she knew she had to do something. Most of us know that, but and we're just like she was in this regard. She also knew that she had tried to do something about it like a hundred or a thousand times before, and it never, never got her anyway. It always ended up in failure. But she said this time she decided that she was going to cry out to God on a regular basis and make this more than just a physical thing, make it a spiritual thing within her life as well. And she cried out for God's strength, and she sought the face of God for the strength to do the right thing. And she said, I started doing the right thing. And you know what happened to her? She lost over 100 pounds. Wow. That's 
a wise thing to do. And every one of us, yeah, give her a hand. And every one of us can do the wise thing. All of us can. Because we don't own ourselves, we are under ownership by God. And God will give us the strength and the wisdom to do the wisest thing with regards to our bodies because he wants our temple to give him glory. All right? All right. Second thing I want to tell you is this. Your mind is important because your life is shaped by your thoughts. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. So let me share just a few more nuggets with you from Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 23. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen to my words. Never let them get away from you. Remember them and keep them in your heart. They will give you life and health to anyone. They will give life and health to anyone who understands these words. And here's the word. I underlined it. Be careful how you think for your life is shaped by your thoughts. The problem with some of you is you have allowed your thoughts to tank. And you're staying there, and you're wondering why you have no spiritual victory, and you're, you're justifying your thoughts because of something that's happened in your life. And because of it, it's shaping your life very negatively. So what does it mean when God's word says, be careful how you think? What are spiritual thoughts like? Well, we are told by the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4, verse, verse number 8. He says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, I will tell you that I have struggled emotionally when I have not done that. When I have stayed focused on stuff that is destructive or fuels my anger or fuels my bitterness or what, you know, whatever, when I don't pay attention to that verse, I tank. But when I, I say, no, I am going to, I, I'm going to stop it. <laughs> I, I'm going to think on what's true and honorable and praiseworthy. So what's praiseworthy? Well, God is praiseworthy. And so I'm keeping my thoughts focused on him. When, when that happens, I'm a different guy. Now, this takes effort because our fallen sinful nature, which we all have, just because you're saved doesn't mean you don't have that in you anymore. You still have it. It's just now you have the power to overcome it. But that, that fallen sinful nature wants to pull you towards the negative and towards the hopeless. It does that to every one of us. If, that, if that's happening in you, you are not unique. It's every single one of us have a tendency towards negativism, towards hopelessness. Some of us, I will say, have a greater tendency towards it than other people, but all of us from our fallen nature are pulled that direction. And when, when that happens, it pulls us downward, and every time it will pull you into bondage thinking. And... And you can have bondage thinking even as a committed follower of Jesus Christ. It's what I call stinking thinking. If you don't work at keeping your thoughts from stinking, they will stink. 
and bondage will always follow. That's why Paul said in 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith. Sometimes faith is a battle. Sometimes you have to fight to stay in faith when your circumstances contradict your faith. You gotta fight for faith. But never forget there's a reward attached to it. Hebrews 10.35, do not throw away your confidence, that is your faith, it will be richly rewarded. Now here's what I wanna tell you. The battle for your faith takes place in your mind. So what grows out of your mind is whatever you have planted in it. That makes sense, right? You plant corn in a field, what kind of crop do you get? Wheat. Of course not. You get corn, right? There might be a few weeds in there too that blow in from the the winds and stuff, but basically it's going to be corn. You plant wheat, you're going to get wheat. You plant whatever you plant in your mind, your mind is a field. And what you plant in there will grow. If it's filled with the world's values because you keep planting those values and those seeds in your mind, then don't be surprised if you have little or no faith when you hit a real trial in your life. But if your mind is filled with the power of the word of God because you have let that word, that seed into your heart and into your mind, faith will dominate your thinking when you hit the trial, when you need it the most. So you might be saying, you know, Pastor Jim, I understand what you're saying, that's me. Faith is tough for me. When I hit a crisis, my mind tanks on down and I just tend to stay down there. Well, if that's you, then my word to you today is stop it. Maybe you talk like the world. You say, oh, it's just the way everybody talks today. It doesn't really matter. Yes, it does. You use faith-killing language. The power uh, of of creation was in the, the word that God spoke. He put that seed within us. You speak negative. You speak cursed words. You speak that kind of language. Guess what's gonna happen? It's gonna destroy and hurt your life. The world uses cursed words, and those words tear each other up. They tear people. They tear down faith. So my word to you is if you're stuck in that, stop it. (laughs) Maybe you have trouble reading God's word, and you have every excuse in the uh, world for why you don't get into God's word, and so forth, and, 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 you know, you'd just rather do something else with your time, whatever it is. Stop it. Do you have a hard time putting the donut down? Stop it. Are you struggling with drug addiction? Stop it. Get help from the church. Do you struggle with smoking? There you go. Stop it. Any of you have trouble with overeating? There you go. It's as simple as that. And some of you are saying, I don't like this kind of therapy, you know? (laughs) And so this is what I'm going to say to you. Stop it or I'll bury you alive in a box. (laughs) So that's all I got to say. This is box day. Now, I'm not saying it's stopping, it's easy. Now, some of you are living with some consequences that 
of seed that you planted years ago and it's growing up now and it might even be physical you know and um, it might it, it probably was a time in your life before you even knew Christ and um, you're wondering to yourself man it's too late for me I wish I had heard things like this when I was 18 or 15 too late for me is there any hope I just want to leave you <clears throat> with a with another Proverbs gem from chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. It says, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Now, I want to stop right there because a lot of us just think in terms of evil as being sin, and of course that is. But if you think of it in terms of what, what is destructive to you, um, what it's saying is fear the Lord and stop it. Stop giving in to what is destructive. So if overeating is destructive to you, stop it. You know, if the donut is, is hard for you, stop it. Don't go where donuts are. <laughs> well, listen, if some of you are, are ex-alcoholics. I say ex because that's the way I see it. You're ex-alcoholics, and uh, Jesus saved you, and that's not who you are anymore. But anyway, what's one of the things they tell you? You don't go hang around in the bars with your old friends. You know, you don't go where there's alcohol available. You stay away from it. You got a, a, a lust problem, you stay away from computers where you can get easily on the, uh, you know, into pornography and stuff, you know. You, you, put, you give your, make your wife put a password on that thing so you can't get in it, you know. <laughs> Or your husband, whichever way it goes, you know. And, and, and then they're standing behind you as long as you're on it, you know. I mean, there's safeguards that you have to do, right? So if donuts are an issue with you, I love donuts more than life itself. <laughs> I got to tell you, I, I think donuts are going to be in heaven. <laughs> I, I really do. Donuts and pizza are going to be in heaven. I think maybe Pepsi is too. I think there's Pepsi up there too, you know. So, these are just things God's given me right now. You know, I'm speaking them prophetically to you. <laughs> you know. But, um, so Big Jim, he comes down and he helps us. We have all kinds of volunteers that help us here at the church, you know. So everything that you see happen doesn't just happen from the pastors. We have lots of volunteers that come and help us to make things nice for you. And, and Big Jim, he comes down here every Friday and, and he sorts the bulletins into, into the, and, and the notes into the stacks and everything. And, put, you know, and it takes time to count it all out and to which ones go to which doors and, and to which service and everything. And it takes you know, uh, several hours to do that every week. And he comes down. And I just love him doing that. But I bring it up because the guy brings a dozen donuts every time he comes down here. <laughs> And here I have this problem. I walk by and just glance at him, and oh, here goes a pound. Here's another one, you know. And, uh, you know, so you're not helping me a whole lot, brother. <laughs> now, I wish I could tell you that I have always resisted the donut. But looking at me, you can tell that that's not true. But I'm going to. I'm going to start resisting that. Now, Sid can eat the donut. Those, you know, John and Karen, they can eat the donut. No sweat, no problem whatsoever. But not me. You know, it just, uh, just the vapor, just the smell. Yeah. It, it, are there calories in, in vapors? Well, I'm going way too long on this, you know, anyway.
I just want you to know that evil is not necessarily sin. Evil can be anything that hurts you. And if you will stop it, then you will have healing for your body. And you'll have strength for your bones. It's interesting that God should identify bones, you know. Maybe you have some weakening of the bones in your body. Your skeletal frame is weakening. Um, you start, you stop doing what's bad and you start doing what's right. God says, I'll you, so in other words, we, we keep coming to God saying, heal me of this, heal me of this, heal me of this. Then God says, I will do that as you learn to stop it and start it. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.